Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. Say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. Hi, and welcome to the We've Got a Problem podcast, where each week we explore inspiring stories of struggle, success, and solutions to prevalent problems and how our guests have turned a problem into an opportunity. Today, I'm joined by Steve Wright. He's a former professional athlete, entrepreneur, reality television contestant, and now author of Aggressively Human, Discovering Humanity in the NFL, Reality Television, and Life, his new book, which is out Tuesday, November 7th. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. It's a, I appreciate you having me on. Thank absolutely. You. Absolutely. I have so many questions. I, 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 and part of it is I can't connect the dots, right? You played 11 seasons in the NFL, founded multiple successful businesses, and competed on Survivor. How do all these things connect? How did you get your start? What brought you from there to there to there to, to here? How did we get here? Wow, that's a broad question. Let's see. Um, for one following my dreams, following uh, what sounds good, even in the moment. When a door opens, I plow through. That, that was, uh, you know, jumping forward, that was the survivor. Um, mm-hmm. The casting director, she said, you should try out. Um, I had never seen the show. And next thing I know, I landed in Nicaragua. <laughs> what, what, there you go. I mean, that's saying yes, right? We will, we will, we will need yes. to talk about that because yes. it's say something yes. people no. don't do. Yeah, and I, I, I was with uh, Walking on the Coals. I just went blank. Oh, Tony uh, Robbins. Tony Robbins. Yeah, I went to a couple of his seminars, and we're out in the desert. And his whole thing was once you take a step on those hot coals. It's just hard to take that first step, but once you go, go. Yeah. Um, back in the early days to, to get to the NFL, I just played all sports, loved them, and football rose to the top. I played hockey and basketball and track and baseball, and um, then I got a scholarship, and all of a sudden the NFL is looking for me, and then uh, the, the my cloudburst company. I was over in Palm Springs, and the mist is blowing around. And I thought, why why can't we have this above our bench, cooling the players off? Well, yeah. I asked I mean, our coach. Yeah, it was just it, it was it was too easy. Um, <laughs> I found I didn't, I didn't create anything. I just brought it, uh, the misting and brought it to a new application, and then it was landing on aircraft carriers in the Persian Gulf and cooling off the Olympics in Atlanta during the hottest Olympics ever. A lot of good fortune, um, uh, staying open to every opportunity, and when there's a door open, plow through it. Yeah, I mean that's. I think that's. I mean, I have lots of questions, right? That's and and that's kind of what the show is about. Is right? we don't have a problem, we've got an opportunity. Yeah. But when people are presented with opportunities, do they take advantage of them? Because that's, I think, when I, what I hear and what I get from you is part of the secret is to see an opportunity and then to take that open door and run through it, right? Plow right through it, go to it. Yeah, okay, this and here. And seeing those connections has been has yes. been super valuable. My philosophy has always been, I'm, I'm not a, a far, long thinker in front and plan everything out, or I would have never written this book. If I were <laughs> known how many things I had to do to get a book on a shelf, no way I would have done it. But I knew I had a story in me when I started writing and found just through the writing, aggressively human, I didn't really realize that that was going to be the theme to the book. Um, but as it started to develop when I was a little kid, and 
realizing that, you know, I'm, I'm a loving child and a loving family. And next thing I know, I'm having to strap a helmet on and be an animal and then taking that balance throughout, you know, the, the course of my life. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, and that's part of the, part of the big question for me is, okay, aggressively human, right? That's the title. That's also a contradiction in terms for many of us, at least for how we perceive aggression and, and being human. How do you reconcile that kind of those disparate concepts? Give us a little bit of a taste of what that means to you. How does that come, come across um, the book? It's kind of the, the yin and the yang. We all have it in us. Um, and it's finding the balance. Mine's mellowed out and found more of a center. But I know back in the playing days, I was I was on the aggressive side and I had to be for job security. But kind of back to one of your earlier questions there, you know, how do you how do you go about finding your way through this? Yeah. To explain that not looking out too far with the book, but just start writing. I mean, I, I start here and I, I can't I can't do the next step until I take care of this. And it's the same thing with my business. And I've always said, go with your gut. Leave this out of it because you're going to find a hundred reasons why you don't want to write the book or you don't want to start that business or I'll never make the team. It's just impossible to make the Dallas Cowboys. I was one of three free agents out of 120 that made it. You know, there's no way in the world I should have made it. But I found myself and I didn't really realize this at the time, but at, through the writing of this and then quite a few years after that I really stayed in the moment. Um, I, I knew a lot of guys. We had, I had five roommates at training camp, and they were all talking about the big scrimmage with the 49ers this weekend and how tough it's going to be. And I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to, you know, be, you know, do my do my right game or anything. And I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about tomorrow morning's practice. And then when you're in that when you're in that drill, we've got ten drills in the morning practice. And I'm not thinking about lunchtime or anything else. I'm thinking about the drill that I'm in. And I know the next drill is coming, but you got to stay focused on what what's at hand. And guys were getting cut because they're thinking about the 49ers uh, preseason right. practice game with them. And really focusing on catching the ball or making the tackle or doing the right thing at practice. So you're constantly being noticed. Right. Well, I, I, leaving the head out of it and yep. in the morning and going with your gut is is the theme to my life. Yeah, I think that that and that's something that I these are broad general statements, but I think that people oftentimes get way too far into their head about what's going on, what how they're going, what what does this mean? Where's this? Where, where where's that? You know that that thirty thousand foot view instead of being down there on the runway. You know, and, if you're down and, there, <laughs> hey. You're on the and, field. And like, all I, you hear about is mental issues these days. Right. People are having a lot of mental problems. And it's just, you know, they're worrying about the past or they should have never done that back there. Or, oh, my God, that this is all going to happen here in the future. It's just like, yeah, it's just staying in the moment yeah. and really appreciating that. Who knows? You can walk out in front of a car the next minute and none of that's ever going to happen. <laughs> Stay in the moment and love each moment of life. Yes, 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 yes. And I think one of the... There's a, a saying, and I, I I'll have to bleep it when I when I put it on the podcast. But there's there's a saying that I think my dad's friend Jill Connor Brown said, which is if you keep one foot in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow, all you can do is <laughs> all over today. So, no, no, no. <laughs> right? That's awesome. They they, they it's so true. 
I've but, never heard it put that way. But that, but it is true because if if you're if all you're if if you're not in the moment, if you're not living right there, and you're not focused on doing the best you can right here, right now, there will be no tomorrow. And tomorrow, that, yeah, and that goes that goes for having lunch with friends and sitting across the table instead of looking at your phone and not not being present with them and thinking about that meeting you got later on this afternoon, you're going to miss the whole thing and they're going to feel it. Yes. Yes, for sure. But uh, so look, being in the NFL had to have been formative. You spent 11 seasons in the, in, in the league. What, I mean, how do you feel some of the lessons you learned or even if they weren't directly from that time, but during that time, things that you learned and, and came across, how do you feel those lessons kind of shaped your future career? Uh, one of them, for sure, my, one of my bigger takeaways was always be early. Mm-hmm. It just shows respect for you. I was sitting here probably 10 minutes before you lit up just because that's what I do. And, you know, get ready or I've got three buddies I work, well, work out with three days a week. And I'm always there early and they're always joking that they can depend on me being there. It just shows respect. I learned that the hard way when I was with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, When I was 21, I was a knucklehead late to two meetings and it changed my life. Um, Being, being a few minutes late for a plane and running up the stairs and seeing my coach, Tom Landry and the team all looking at me and my coaches, uh, it, uh, I, to be honest with you, I, I actually still have a little PTSD from it. It's, I'm, I'm not joking. I'll have, I'll have yeah. uh, nightmares of being late or the team's out on the field and I'm running around trying to find my shorts. I, I, it's just, yeah. I, I'm always on time. And then, you know, obviously the, the, the simple thing of just the hard work and believing in yourself, which I always did. I, I, I never really questioned myself. I knew I was giving it my all, having great mentors sure helped, um, tapping into finding mentors, but, but having like Mike Ditka and others as, as uh, guides for me that would help, you know, get my heart and head together. And but you, you had talked earlier about people that, uh, that you know, pe- treat, treating people kind. Yeah. And like you're saying treat, treat people like humans. That is the only thing that landed me at the 96 Summer Olympics with a contract to cool off the entire uh, uh, Olympics. A shoe salesman came into the Raiders locker room and tried to sell a new uh, shoe to the players, and nobody gave him a time of day. Uh, They were wearing Adidas or Puma or Nike or something. I was the only one that took a pair of his shoes and tried them in a game. And this guy went back to his startup company and he was a hero. And fast forward about five years, I go with my partner to Atlanta to try to do a little sales pitch to put our cooling equipment in for the Olympics. And in there against GE is there, Raytheon is there, other monstrous air conditioning companies with tons of money. And two weeks later, I got a call that we got the, the Olympics. And I was just like, no way. Who is this? This is a joke. And he goes, my name is Mike Ariano. I used to be a, sh- a shoe salesman. And now I'm responsible for all the, the field of play, all the equipment, everything at the Olympics. And you were the only one that was tr- treated me like a right. human. was kind to me. Everybody else pushed me aside. So now it's your turn. It's payback. 
and it was uh, yeah, yeah. It, it just an amazing experience of, and uh, uh, just treating people right. Well, yeah, and that's those kind of serendipitous events are so crucial, and they happen more often than we think. Because it's so easy to go through life and believe that I'm never going to see this guy again, and and I think in all there's it's a it's it's easy to forget, especially in larger cities. I mean, we 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 live in in L.A. where we're in our cars all the time and driving around. That that other people are human to 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 just remember that fact that that the person who's in the car in front of you or in line in front of you at the grocery store also has the same stuff going on in their life that you do and mm-hmm. that they might that that we all might have a bad day or a good day or or any of those things and just treating somebody like they are a human too and not a robot or an automaton or something a force to be reckoned with ah, that goes really far man yeah. that that especially for how you feel about yourself just as much yeah. as how they feel about themselves yeah. because people will remember very little of what you say, very little of what you do, but they will remember how you made them feel. Yeah, it just it's so easy to make people feel good. There's there's a mindset that goes along with it of just again that 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 remembering that people are human. Taylor Swift is apparently excellent uh, as a celebrity at, at being accessible to her fans and always taking the time to see people. It not like- not not to give them Every moment of her day, not to 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 let people mooch off of her time or any of those things, but to let them know that they are seen, human, important, that they are people, and yes. not you know not that they're if, different. Little touches. If she just even puts her hand on some young girl or something and gives her a smile, that girl will remember it forever. Yes. Because I exactly. remember being a young kid up in Minneapolis, and we were on the Vikings in the same uh, uh, gym. And some of these guys were real jerks, and they were great mentors to me. Don't be a jerk. You know, <laughs> and other guys were just, they'd squat down, and they'd look me in the eyes and rub the top of my head and just be buddies. And I just remember how cool that was and how much that moved me. I mean, 30 years later, I, I still think, like, how, how, and how easy that was. I'm not going to say any names, but I'd see so much of the opposite. You know, when we'd yeah. depart our, our team bus and there'd be fans and the, there'd be the velvet ropes holding people back. So we get into our hotels and kids are sticking their, their autograph books up. And some of the guys uh, just drove me crazy. We just kind of swat the kid out of the way and, and move their book. And I just, so I'd slow down and, you know, <laughs> you want my autograph instead? And, Thank goodness they said yes. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, again, the the it's we. I mean, we can sit here for hours and 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 talk about the the fact that that people don't do it right, but it applies much more broadly in just how you comport yourself on a daily basis. And you are a living success story for how that can make a difference. Again, with your business, cooling the Olympics, the stuff that you've been able to do thus far, the way that you've treated people, the way that your entire career has run shows the benefit of of doing those things. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've always tried to do the right thing. And yeah, I was 
you know, quite a bit more of a knucklehead when I was younger. Wish I had the wisdom, you know, to your question earlier, wish I had the wisdom, you know, that we do now back when we were 20. Um, who knows where I'd be? Yeah. Well, that's, and again, that the, that, that was one of the things that I talked about in my Elon Musk video that I think got lost for a lot of people. And I got a lot of comments about it, but that you go, if he weren't such an ass to people, how far, how much further could he have gone? Or could he go? Because that's there's there's obviously brilliance there, but if mm-hmm. if if people don't fall in line with you, if they aren't with you, because they go, you know what? <laughs> I I'd, I'd rather see this person fail than succeed. And it's there's a difference between being driven and 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 wanting to succeed and being decisive. Going, no, Steve, we're not going to do that. And, you know, here's why this, 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 and this. And I'm not going to explain it because it's my decision and all this. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But jumping down somebody's throat when something's not their fault and, and just being and, and, and treating them as less than human mm-hmm. is, is probably where, where people go wrong. I want to talk a little bit more about mindset because that's a huge thing for my listeners and, and all of that. Maintaining a positive mindset matters, obviously. We talked a little bit about that before, but how do you feel like that's really made a difference for you? I mean, do, are there moments that, that you feel like had you not had a positive mindset, you would have? Sure. sure. Yeah, I would, have, I would have dropped out a long time ago. I can face detractors that, that kind of go in one ear and out the other because I believe in myself. And I think I was for, just because that, that big part of it was in, in my early years, just, you know, having my parents who just, you know, loved me. They were together for over 50 years and nothing but love and support. So I was really fortunate on that side to help uh, get the mindset. You know, a lot of it was the common sense and just doing the right thing, treating people right, you know, giving it your best or don't give it at all. Um, you're going to get into a sport or you're going to get into, you know, going to a camp for a week, you know, you're, you're stay there and, and stay in it and work hard and, um, kind of, kind of simple. Um, you know, it, it, it does. Those, those things, I think, really start to develop in your early years. Um, for sure. The, the mindset of, you know, mowing three lawns and all my buddies are all playing, but, I committed to this and this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to give it everything I have to make the place look nice. And I think that goes also back to being in the moment and focusing on the task at hand that's right in front of you, you know, getting down to David Allen, who's a productivity expert, talks a lot about the different levels of kind of, of, of your points of view that you've got the 30,000 foot view where you're, where you're looking down at everything that's above you. And those are your goals, your hopes, your dreams, things like that. And you kind of get down lower and lower and lower. But when you get down to the runway and, and those are the terms that he uses, but when you get down there, you're not looking at your project or your, your, your dream or your wish or any of those things. You're looking at the next action. And the next thing that's got to be done to move you forward, right? You write a book. You go, I'm not going to talk to a publisher till I've written the book because I don't know. I don't have anything to give them. So I got to write the book. How do you write a book? Okay. Now it's, I got to write a page. 
I got to write, I got to write a sentence. I got to write a word. And each one of those things, focusing on that and moving it forward, I think gives you the power to actually succeed because focus is a superpower. Focus is, focus is, is what we're so often lacking in the world today, particularly in a world where we're constantly on our cell phones. God knows what I've done with mine. It's probably in my pocket, but because I was going to pick it up and show it to everybody. The, the, the fact is, we're we're losing that ability to focus, and people are trying to grab our focus and our attention on a daily basis. I, I do it all the time. I'm uh, my wife always kind of jokes how I'm a golden retriever, and I, I get on a project now, and I see ten tennis balls bouncing in front of me, and I want to go off and do something else. It, it <laughs> takes uh, shutting the door and closing everything off to sit down and write. I go out here in the patio and I might write a paragraph, or I might write three pages, but I had to stay in my zone for three hours or whatever. Yes. Yes. And getting in the zone takes time. And that's one of the other things that that we forget, that getting out of the zone, getting having those times, creating those times to to write a book, to do a to do a deep work in general, is is something that should be sacred. And it's difficult because it takes you whatever it is each time you switch tasks, it takes you five minutes to get back into the state. So if you keep getting interrupted every five minutes, you'll never get into your flow state. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing in the gym. I, you know, that's where I can talk a lot about. It's you know getting into the gym and really staying focused. I don't listen to. I don't have my headset on because then you know I'm not liking the song instead of right. you know right. holding the weights. And so then I got to stop and change the song and then start talking to somebody. But and then even then it's takes a while to get in the zone and get, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And now I'm, I'm pumping and I'm really going and don't really talk to anybody. I'm not considered the friendliest guy in the gym. I'm not a jerk or anything. I, you know, little hellos here and there, but stay focused and keep my headphones off and know exactly, you know, really get my mind into my muscle. And yes, yes, yes. And again, everybody's different when it comes to those kinds of things. So I, I, some, for some people, going to the gym is a social experience. I understand. And now you're being focused about being social. That's totally cool. But when I go, I want to get in and I want to get out. Yeah. And I want to I want to be efficient. Mm-hmm. And I have goals I want to achieve there. So I'm going to focus on what I'm what I'm doing when I get in there. We're kind of coming to the end. I we've we've had a fantastic conversation, but I have a couple of questions I like to ask everybody. And these can be these are kind of big picture things. They can be broad to the entire world, totally unrelated to your book and your current experience, or they can be very specific to to whatever you want to talk about. But what do you feel like is the biggest fallacy that everybody buys into? What is way overrated? All of the health hacks. Yeah. Just taking care of your body and, and eating right. He says you got to try this. This is this is the most unbelievable thing that's going to get you healthy. No, I, I am healthy. I eat clean. I I go to bed at eight thirty and I'm up at four thirty. So overrated, I'd say uh, health hacks. Excellent. I can totally <laughs> agree with that, and we can see that evidence all around us. I think the shortcut culture of I'm always looking for a hack rather than the simple stuff. Eating healthy. It's actually not complicated. Ask what people's agenda is when they're trying to sell you all this stuff. The the cookie diet, they might have an agenda there beyond what right. the simple advice is and going back to basics there matters. 
Steve, thank you so much for joining me. Folks, if you want to know more about Steve, check out his website, writeauthor.com. You can find his book, Aggressively Human, out Tuesday, November 7th on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Links to everything are in the show notes as always. And please visit Steve's website if you're interested in an autographed copy of his book. You can leave your contact information there and he may be able to send you one. Thank you so much. Till next time, we don't have a problem. We've got an opportunity. <laughs>